Today I'm starting a new series. It's entitled Shook. It's entitled Shook. What happens in our life when the Holy Spirit shakes us? Because I want to suggest to you that when he shakes us, he wants to remake us. In April 1906, there was a massive earthquake in San Francisco. It decimated buildings, and the subsequent aftershocks created a massive fire that displaced people and killed many lives. But what some of us do not realize, although that's the most memorable earthquake in 1906, that wasn't the most significant. For you see, a couple days before, in a city called Los Angeles, there was an earthquake, a spiritual earthquake. For you see, there was a spiritual earthquake that, that occurred at the Apostolic Faith Mission on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. There were people there who were hungry for the presence of God, and they were seeking the Lord, saying, God, what you spoke in Acts 2, will you make it come to pass right here, right now? And the Spirit of God broke out, and people were baptized, and it was evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Fast forward a couple of years later, a collection of pastors and leaders came together, 300 in fact, in Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1914 to found the Assemblies of God. You and I, we are part of that tribe. And the earthquake that occurred at Azusa Street and the subsequent fire that was stirred up in that earthquake at Azusa, we are now beneficiaries of that. For you see, today, there are 66,370,000 churches around the world who are Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled believers who believe that the Holy Spirit still moves and he still changes lives. And so today, I want to speak on Shook, what it means to allow God to shake us so that he can remake us. With that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. The prophet Isaiah, as many of the prophets in the Old Testament, was given a very tough assignment to declare judgment on a hard-hearted people, a closed-minded nation. And even though he had the title of prophet, God realized that he needed to give Isaiah an extra portion of his presence and so this is where we see the commissioning of Isaiah. So I invite you to open up your Westover app, your Bible. Let's look together. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let me pause here and say, kings come and go. Presidents come and go. Politicians come and go. But the Lord is high and exalted. He is still seated on his throne and he's looking for a temple for his robe to fill. Can I suggest to you that the, that the temple that is spoken of here is not a building like this. It is us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse two. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet in reverence to the king. And, they, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. 
Here's my question for you today. What might happen in your life if you let God shake you and remake you? What might happen if you allowed the train of his robe to fill the temple of your life? What might happen if you were willing to sing like the seraphim, the angels who are willing to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I want to suggest to you, I want to actually implore you, I want to mention to you that what I believe will happen is the doorposts and the thresholds of your life will shake and the presence, the express presence of God will fill your life. God wants to do that in your life. So with that in mind, I want to speak on the topic, wrecked and redeemed. Wrecked and redeemed. Here are four ways to transition from a wrecked life to a redeemed life. Number one, we need to worship in God's presence. Isaiah saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the seraphim were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Because of the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Let me ask you this, what does worship mean to you? What does it mean to you? Is it what we just did or is it more than that? I believe that to God, the worship of our life is more important than the worship of our lips. How we worship with our life on Monday is more important than how we worship with our lips on Sunday. Jesus, when he was criticizing the Pharisees, he said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Woe to us if we ever get to the point where the worship of our lips is greater than the worship of our heart. Let me ask you this, does your worship impact the lives of other people? If not, we need to course correct in our heart. For you see, these seraphim, they keep it 100. They keep it 100%. When they are worshiping the Lord, it makes a significant impact. It not only reverberates heaven, but what it does is it causes worship to break out among the other angels. Because you see, it says that they call to one another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The other one says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And because of that great chorus, it causes the presence of God to be made manifest. God intends for our worship to impact not only what we do in service on Sunday and on Wednesday, but every day of the week. And can I invite you to worship God not only with your lips, but also with your life? Our worship is intended to make a difference. Number two, in order for us to move from wrecked to redeemed, we need to realize and recognize that we're wrecked. Hey, newsflash, you and I were wrecked. If you didn't know it, you and I were wrecked. This is what it says. Isaiah said in verse five, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Here's my question, what happens when you see the presence of God? Are you wrecked and ruined or are you offended and put off? Too many of us in the church are more offended by the holiness of God than the sinfulness of the world. Be careful when the holiness of God offends you more than the sinfulness of the world. Isaiah had the right response. 
He saw the king high and lifted up and he realized that he was broken. I'm reminded of the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. This is the attitude that Isaiah had. He realized that he was wretched and that he was broken and he was willing to say, woe is me, God. I not only have a broken and a sinful heart, but I also have lips that defy you and despise you. God wants to transition us from being wrecked to redeemed, but it requires us to acknowledge the state of our humanity and the state of our sinfulness. If we're willing to acknowledge that, then we qualify for the third step to move from wreck to redeemed, and that is to receive God's redemption. Verse six says this, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. I began to think, as I was preparing this message, if in the throne room of God there is an altar, what is on the altar that would be an appropriate sacrifice to be located in the throne room of God? And the only thing that I could come up with was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That was the sacrifice on the altar. What we see here is a pre-incarnate, pre-crucifixion redemption of the life of Isaiah. For you see, it's only the sacrifice of Jesus that has the power to atone for sin and to take away guilt. God wants us to pursue redemption. He wants to transform not only our heart, but also our lips. Some of us, we struggle because we say things that we're not supposed to. God wants to redeem our lips. He wants to transition us into a new paradigm. But not only does he want to redeem our hearts and transform what we say with our mouth, I, I wanna suggest to you that the second reason why the angel put a live coal in Isaiah's mouth was because Isaiah had a tough assignment to preach to an unbelieving nation and saying, you need to repent. I wanna suggest to you that God wants to put fire in your soul and in your mouth. We live in an unbelieving generation and we need to allow God to fill us with his presence and his power to be able to preach the gospel fearlessly. This is what the apostle Paul said. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We need to have that as our prayer. God, fearlessly put your word in our mouth. Put your fire in our soul. Transform our life. You have permission to shake my life. And once we allow God to put fire in our soul and in our mouth, we need to answer the call. We need to answer the call. We don't need to screen the call of God. We need to pick up the phone and answer the call. Verse eight says this, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The Lord was asking the rest of the Trinity, who will I send and who will go for us? And that's the same call that Jesus is putting before us today. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah in the back of the throne room of God said, here I am, send me. This is what the Lord answered him. 
he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the heart of these people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What does all that mean, pastor? He was telling Isaiah ahead of time, the assignment I put before you is difficult. There's gonna be people among you who are not gonna be willing to hear the truth. And I want you not to get discouraged when you preach my name and you declare the freedom that is possible through me. Don't get discouraged because there's gonna be some people who reject me, but there's gonna be a few who are willing to say, I'm willing to see you, God, with my eyes and hear you with my ears and understand with my heart and turn and be healed. God wants us to answer the call. The first call is to salvation. The second call is to mission. And as I close, I wanna invite you to stand. There's some of you who are here today and you would say, I don't know the Lord. I need to know him. I want my life to be shaken. I want my life to be transformed. But we need to accept Jesus in our life and in our heart. And so I'm gonna invite all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna give you a private moment with the Lord. If you are here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus, this is your moment. If you're here today and it's been a long time since you've connected with God, this is your moment. If you allow God to come into your life, he will shake away the things that are holding you back. The train of his robe will fill your life and you will walk with the spirit. He will lead you. If you're here today and you need Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. This is your moment. One, two, three. Yes, 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 I see hands all across the auditorium. Yes, you can put your hands back down. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I wanna do. I want us all to say a prayer from our hearts. Many of you said this prayer before, but I'm gonna invite you to say it again with me. Say this with me, everyone in the house. Jesus, I'm wrecked. I'm broken, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to take away my guilt. I need you to take away my shame. I give you my life for all of my life. Come into my life, lead me, save me. I want you to fill my life with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We're not, we're not done just yet. If you're here today and you want the presence of God to shake the doorposts and the thresholds of your life, this is your moment. I'm gonna invite you to come forward as the worship team leads us. They're gonna lead us into worship one more time. And if you haven't had a chance to come forward, this is your moment. And for those of you who just made a decision for Christ, this is your first moment to encounter the manifest presence of God. Worship team, lead us.
say to some of you, you're here and you need more. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Some of you, you've faced a war in your mind about whether you should come up. He's not done. He's not done yet. If you need God to move in your heart, if you need him to move in your life, don't leave the same way you came. I want to invite you to come. Press in. I know you're skeptical. I know you're worried. I know you have anxiety. I know you have fear. But I want you to come. Press in. Even if it's just one of you, the Holy Spirit is saying, I've got more for you. I've got breakthrough on the other side of your obedience. If you're just willing to come and seek me out, I'll meet you right where you're at. I see your broken heart. I see your difficulty. I see your struggle. I see the tears that you shed at night. I see the struggle for your children. I see the struggle with your finances. I see the struggle 
with your physical being and I'm not done yet. Let the train of my robe fill your life. Let my spirit pour over you. Let me minister to your heart. Let me reassure you that you're not forgotten. I died for you. I poured out my life for you. He did it. He did it, church. If you're here and you need a, a breakthrough, if what I just mentioned describes you, I want you to come. I want you to come. God wants to meet you right where you're at. With every hand lifted high from side to side, from front to back, can we make this our biggest and our loudest moment of worship in this place tonight as we declare that our Lord is good and his love endures forever. Are you ready to do that tonight? Come on, are you ready to do that tonight and declare his goodness? Say, for the Lord is good and his love.
I let you go, I just was told by one of our pastors that 55 people made a decision to follow Jesus tonight. That deserves some praise here in the house. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to invite you to text the information that's on the screen behind me. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to encourage you. It's been a delight to have you in service. God bless you, and we are dismissed.